Optimal health for high performers. This is the Health Upgrade Podcast with Dr. Nawaz Habib. Thank you so much for joining me, Brandon. I'm really excited to have you. Yeah, man, I'm happy to be here. Amazing. So I always like to start off getting to know my guest and, and understand their why, understand their story, their journey. What brought you to this point in your health and in your life and, and into doing the 100 Days of Love and building that beautiful community of dad pod that you are building as we speak? Where you are, how far back you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> You tell so, me, I, I'd love to hear kind of the Coles yeah. version. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's interesting. Our health is an interesting one because I think that we're taught to view it as like a specific thing, a specific goal versus our entire life is our health and our health is our entire life. Not one moment, not 10 pounds of weight loss. Our life is our health. And I haven't always had that view, but when I started reflecting backwards on my life about like, man, like how long have I been doing some of these things? Like I've been doing cold therapy for a decade. I've been practicing meditation for almost 15 years. I didn't reflect even two years ago. I didn't recognize those things. It's like, right. That's a journey to health. Mindfulness practices, being active, playing sports as a kid. I've been doing this shit my whole life as a view. And then like Lego, we slowly build blocks. You add another block and then it falls down a little bit and you got to build it back up again. It falls down, you got to build it back up. Is something that became really loud for me, really in my face through trauma, actually, which we can talk about now, we can talk about it later, but sure, yeah. I had a very specific experience in my life that was one of the worst things that I've ever gone through. One of the hardest things, one of the most traumatic things. And through therapy, it actually showed me love. And through that incorporated with studying, I study a lot of psychology. I read a lot of Dr. David Hawkins. I, I, I've been on this journey of just wanting to understand my own mind a little bit better. And that started so that I could overcome insomnia, that I could sleep at night. And through that practice, I learned about the energy of love, which I started to understand very quickly, which I think most of us can once we come to understand what these things are. And so there was a specific incident that happened to me. So I do a few things as an entrepreneur, and I'm also a full-time firefighter. So just over a year ago, I was involved in an incident where I was a part of a team that was pulling a woman out of the house. It was a horrible scene. The house was on fire. It happened to be a homicide. She didn't make it. And she was quite burnt when she was entirely burnt when we took her out of the house. And so I was a part of that. And when we, as firefighters, I would say we as firefighters, when we deal with these types of traumas, we deal with some crazy stuff that most people never, never experience. And we have to experience it. Some of it is extremely unique. And some of it is, is actually quite horrible and horrific as this was, right? It was a homicide mixed with a house fire where the woman was burned inside the house fire. And I had her skin on my hands, on my body when we took her out of the house. It's a really weird thing. And I came out of that experience on a Thursday or an early, early Friday morning into a weekend where I'm home with my kids, where I'm removed from the fire hall and I can't get the image out of my head. I've been going through some therapies, breath work specifically, and 
I knew I needed to do something. So I started doing NLP training, neuro-linguistic programming with a friend we know, Laura Slim. And that process was very interesting. It was very quick. She had me do a bunch of rapid eye movement with my eyes closed as she guided me along. And it sounds really weird, but we basically took a pair of jeans and there was rapid eye movement of me. The jeans came on, the jeans went off. The jeans came on, the jeans went off. Then when the jeans came off, they went into a black hole. And we repeated this exercise. She would say these things quite quickly and I would follow along rapid eye movement. At the end of it, I was left with a wreath of roses sitting on a pair of jeans. I said, okay, I left, turned my screen off. I didn't know what was gonna happen, that was it. And then a couple hours later, I thought about that scene. For anyone who's ever experienced PTSD, this is what happens. These moments are with you. You don't know when you're going to get these flashes of imagery in your head. You don't know well about which part of the scene they're going to come up, but it happens frequently, especially in the, in the hours, in the days, immediately after the event. Sometimes it sticks with you for a long, long time. And so a few hours later, I thought about the scene and I started smiling because what I could see was a pair of jeans and a wreath of roses. I could immediately switch my mind to what I actually saw, to what was there. But every single day up until this point in my life, whenever I think about that scene, that's what comes up. Mm. That's the power of NLP. That's the power of love. That's the, the, the power that exists in our universe. Like one thing happened and with a little bit of training, with a little bit of switching, moving a few switches around in my mind, I was able to see something different. And then the real power happened. I went to a breathwork session. It was the universe dropped this in. It was, a, a, it was already pre-scheduled. It was literally a couple of days afterwards. And I get really psychedelic experiences every single time I do breathwork. Don't know what, it's been my choice in therapy for the last two years. And I do it every couple of months just because, just because I need it for some, something in my life. I need to talk through it with myself, get in my own head and move through my own resistance and just figure some stuff out. And so this experience had come up, got into a breathwork session. Lots of emotions, lots of energy, heavy breathing, lots of tears, right? And then I was gifted with this scene where it was the house that was on fire. And so to put some things into perspective, so we got on scene, house fire, pulled the lady out of the house, put the fire out. This is not me, there's a whole crew of people. <laughs> we did a 360 walking around the house. And in the garden, there was pumpkins decaying. This was in December, the fire. I have pumpkins in my garden. So for me, in that moment, it, it brought the human into the experience, right? This isn't just a fire. This isn't just someone who's died. Because in, in, in my profession, it's really easy to just block these things out. No association. Just get in there, do the job, and get out. But that's not the reality. So this was a human being. So in that moment, I didn't realize it then, but it brought some love into the moment. So that came up in the breathwork session. And then the scene we elevated to like looking at it from like a thousand foot view and beautiful colors, a beautiful sunset, flowers started to birth. And then I don't know how else to explain it. It's like our souls collided and embraced over top of this house. And at this point, <laughs> I'm pouring, my eyes are bawling, right? I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening? 
And I'm just there in this moment, in this experience. And I don't know why, but I came out of that session and it was like love. The answer is love. And I'm finding love in this trauma. And I was like, maybe for some reason, my role in this scene, in this, in this event, in this episode of life is to embrace this love that this woman had, that I have, that we all have, and share that with the world. That was, that was really the catalyst to the hundred days of love, to this journey of love. There were a lot of other things I did, a psilocybin ceremony within the course of that year that, that aided and added to the conversation of love, mm-hmm. especially around health. But that's how, that's how it all started. Such interesting nuance within your story as well that I think we can dig into. But it's really important to understand that your perspective is different. You don't have kind of that typical experience of just being a person who works a basic nine to five. The, the life of a firefighter in itself is something I can't personally imagine, but I, I've heard stories from you and from others about some of the challenges that, that you guys go through from that firefighter perspective. But your perspective is also interesting because you are also an entrepreneur. You've opened multiple businesses and are, are currently growing multiple businesses. And so you see kind of almost the best and worst of humanity and, and what our experiences are, our ability to cause harm, but also our ability to recover from some damage and some, some challenges. You kind of said this word when you were talking about it, that you were gifted the scene in your breathwork session, that it was gifted to you. And I can't imagine most people would ever use that type of word. And that really just goes to show the power of language, the power of love that you've been experiencing. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit because you use language in NLP to help to create a positive aura of, of energy around that scene to begin with. And then the breathwork session allowed you to dig deeper into it and, and really understand the kind of humanity behind the scene itself. And I, I don't want to necessarily dig into the scene, but I'd love to hear about your, your journey, understanding that love was the answer and where did it kind of take you from there? So I was four years ago, I, or three and a half years ago, I got my first business coach and we were asked to make some, some goals, three-year, five-year goals and some personal goals. And I didn't know what to think of. I just wanted to, I was like, I want to learn more about my mind uh, and how to control. I thought that I could control my mind and I didn't know where to start. In, in actuality, I didn't even know that I was already you. And so as I look back, as you're asking me this, you know, 15 years ago, roughly, I started meditating. An experience, again, was gifted to me to travel the world. Uh, backpacking around and somehow somewhere some shape i ended up in the haramsala india macleod ganj this is where the dalai lama lives in exile and he was there that's why i went to this place never thought in a million years that i would ever see him have him walk by me or uh, be blessed to sit in a room with him for three days and listen to his teachings so this was my first experience in understanding spirituality very vaguely and I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just like, this is so cool. This guy is the Dalai Lama. I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about Buddhism really, but like here, here I am in this place. And so as I reflect back to that, you know, now being a student of spirituality, a student of consciousness, and I say that because I'm constantly studying, 
constantly in observation of my own awareness and how is that reflective of my life? How am I acting towards things? How am I reacting because of things? And so in my profession where I'm always helping, I've always been in situations as a helper. I watched my dad and my grandfather, my parents do that in community, not directly through their business, but simply as community leaders. Simple stories of like watching my dad go into hockey practice, help a homeless person off the street and make sure they're fed mm-hmm. and being late to hockey practice because that was what was most important. And so when I moved into a career of firefighting, where that's my job. My job isn't to put out fires. My job is compassion. And really quickly, and this is nothing against firefighters, is nothing against anyone in emergency services, but there were times at calls, especially as a young first responder, where I did not like the way that other responders were treating people. We go to a lot of what's called in the field, bullshit medical calls. Okay, very negative connotation. What does it mean? It means that someone's got to tell me. It means that this person didn't actually need to call 911. Okay. But what does it actually mean? That's the best call you'll ever go to. No one's hurt. And so for whatever reason, as a young firefighter, I started feeling that way, that I didn't like the way, not all, not everyone, most people are great, but I didn't like the way that some individuals were treating other people. We all get this, whether we're in the grocery store, at our own work, at our own office, doesn't matter where we're. And I just knew that I needed to speak up for one, when I needed to speak up, but two, I needed to show up. I needed to love, right? And I didn't know that as clearly as I know it now. But then I just knew that it was okay to put a hand on someone's shoulder. It was okay to hug a patient, to hold their hand, to just give them some love. Sometimes all people needed to hear was that it's it's gonna be okay. That's it. That's all, that's literally all my job is. Like that's 95% of my job. 5% of it is running into into fires, cutting people out of cars, doing CPR, all that kind of stuff. And that put this emphasis of caring, of love into the profession. And I think that all of those things wrapped up mixed with intention of practicing consciousness. It is what I do on a daily basis allowed for, to be able to see that energy of love, if you will. And for that to, be present and to come to the forefront of my life when I didn't think that that abundance was there. But the medicine, uh, the psilocybin, the breath work, the NLP, that showed me that this abundance of energy exists at all times, regardless of what horrors are happening. Um, some more proof to that would be the book you just recommended that I'm just wrapping up right now, right? Man's Meaning to Life um, or Man's Search for Meaning Story by Victor Frankl. In the worst of the worst situations, that we can fathom or comprehend or even think about, the love still exists there. And it's really hard for us to see it. And this experience for me, it showed me that this was really horrible. It's not doing good things for me chemically at a, at a chemical level, <laughs> at a hormonal level. It's releasing all these things, this cortisol, this fire flight, like I don't need, it's forcing me to be in sympathetic and getting angry and do all these things that I don't, I don't, I don't want to be there. So utilizing the breath through, through going to therapy, through talking about it it was able to bring love to the surface. Isn't that so interesting that it, it really helped you when you made that intention three, five years ago, when you initially had your first coach, you, you made that initial goal of controlling your mind. And it's really interesting that it's almost shifted into now 
being able to understand your consciousness and to direct your attention and to manage how your body responds instances of stress and of of negative challenge and really that that ultimately is learning to control your mind and the effects that your mind can have and it's really that digs really deep for me because in my work and and you know this we we work with clients that have more often than not biochemical health challenges diagnosed diseases and the thing that we find is a guide or a gauge for how much better somebody's going to get is if they believe that they have the ability to get over it there's this wonderful quote whether you believe you can or believe you can't you're right the thought of this belief and being able to to say that yeah i'm not going to be a victim to what happens around me that i'm going to take it in i'm going to experience it and use my consciousness and use my thought process to actually adjust what i'm looking at and to shift the the narrative that i'm telling myself change the story that's going on in my head so as to then create the opportunity for change to occur within my body right and and that will allow for the improvements from whether it's supplements or lifestyle changes or dietary recommendations that we make in combination with the the power of the mind to make these these changes possible so it's really interesting that that you've kind of gone down this path and there's there's certain tools that you've started to use to help train you to control your mind right so breathwork i believe is one of them that that works really well and i do it myself on a semi regular basis as well but cold exposure is a great one to consider right and that's a big part of your 100 days of love and and we can maybe start moving in that direction a little bit so yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about what prompted you to to start the 100 days of love so you mentioned I'm an entrepreneur I got a few businesses going so one of them I just closed I ran a fitness gym and we closed that was the byproduct of of covid two years not being able to run the business so this was before we closed the gym november mid to end of november things were stagnant at this point so uh here in canada and ontario off and on closures lockdowns from august to maybe june or july maybe i forget to december end of december we were we were open for business and we just started coming out of our last lockdown that's occurred so we were open things were very stagnant at the gym there wasn't any growth basically that that was happening so in a sense the gym was kind of bored or it was boring nothing we were doing from an advertising standpoint uh was working at that point to get people back in omnicron was just kind of starting to starting to make its way not in canada yet but in, in south africa and some other countries well. and this wasn't a result of omnicron and i was just kind of like i need to do something people need something i need something how do i freshen some things up last year around that time so in for the last few years in december I put myself through a a Wim Hof 10 week course about cold cold therapy cold exposure. And so I did that the last couple of years. Last year I did it uh, on social media. I made a video every day about my journey of 10 weeks through the Wim Hof. So this year it didn't all need to be Wim Hof cold exposure, but I was like I can do 100 days of love. I was on this love kick. I'm on talking about love, speaking to people about love, doing keynotes about love. sharing this message about love I'm like I'm going to do 100 days of love on my social media 
So yeah, I came up with like a necessity, I think, for myself and for what I saw in my community, where I was like, people need a bit of a kick right now. How can we help get through the winter? The winter is always, we know in the health field, winter is usually a depressing time of year for people. So how do we not wait until, what is it, January 19th? Is that Blue Monday or something something like that, the third, third week in January? How do we get ahead of that and start introducing 100 Days of Love? The premise of it was, if we learn how to create abundance and love, in the energy of love that exists, not just romanticized love, not just sensualized love, um, not just in relationships, but in all aspects of our life. Could that make our life a little bit better? Could it add more love into our life, add more positivity, add more positive energy, and give us a different perspective on what love actually is as an energy so that we can ultimately become healthier? I love that. No pun intended. <laughs> it's motivating to watch your your journey through those 100 days and, and beyond because uh, I believe today was day 111 or 112 of 100 days of love, something like that. We're pretty close something to like that. that. Pretty close to that, yeah. Which means that it's it's almost become a habit and something that you feel that you're you're going to be doing every day and and sharing. I think is even even more important. And some of these are, are very personal, right? These are moments with your kids, moments with your wife, instances where you're with yourself and and providing a lot of that self care, love, compassion to yourself, and training yourself to handle major stressors with a filter of love that you're then looking through. And let's talk about some of the the really interesting things that you've done on this uh, journey of sure. 100 Days of Love. So uh, for me, the biggest one, the one that, that always sticks out to me, and it obviously is a big piece of my sharing with, with a lot of my patients, is that cold exposure piece. Why don't we dig into that one? I love, I love how much you do it, how often you do it, and the commitment to breaking the ice literally and jumping right in. Yeah, um, I love the cold. I also hate it, but I love it. <laughs> I've been on this journey for close to 10 years doing cold therapy. I just got into it because I was like, this guy is wild. I watched a Wim Hof video. I'm like, who is this dude? I'm like, I'm going to try that. I just, you know, I used to skydive quite a bit. I'm all, I like to like doing extreme things, extreme sports. So I don't know. I was just like, I don't like, like, it's hard to fathom walking around barefoot, going into a frozen lake in your bathing suit. Like it's hard to fathom these things. And I just thought it'd be fun to be quite honest with you when I started it. And so I dove into it and very quickly it changed my life. Uh, I didn't realize how much at first or that I would I'd never perceived I'd be doing it now. 10 years later, continually doing this, incorporating it, exposing my children to it, putting my daughter, putting my, my daughter going into the lake with me, our neighbor at the cottage, 10 years old, full dip this weekend with me at the cottage. So it gains curiosity with itself. What it's done is it's prepared me. It's been preparing me to face my fears. It's been preparing me to get through some really hard things. I did 100 days of love. And I closed my business where I'd lost an awful lot of money. <laughs> it wasn't a decision that I wanted to make, but I had to make. And I'll make every decision is the right decision for me. You know, I was stripped away of the opportunity to run, to grow, to have my business, essentially. Uh, now I'm turning in my lease, so I'm facing getting sued. I did all, I did 100 days of love. I never stopped. I could have easily said, you know what, I'm not, not doing this anymore. So the cold has helped to 
develop the reps, to develop the habit, to develop and understand what consistency means, because that decision was a really hard decision to make. It was probably the saddest decision I've ever made because of the community that was associated with our gym and a whole bunch of really, really incredible people whose lives, we changed people's lives. We did health <laughs> to its fullest. We, we maxed it out. We did an incredible job with health and changing people's perspectives because they started to love themselves just a little bit more. And now closing the gym, it was hard to take that away from people. But the cold helped to keep those reps in. It helped it to keep going. And what do they say? Love your enemies. What's an enemy? An enemy is something you fear. So love your fears. What are you resisting? Well, dive into it. Why are we resisting? I still resist the cold. I still sit there in the morning before I turn on the shower and be like, oh, it's not warmed up. I'm sitting there in front of a, <laughs> a ready to go shower and I just turn the handle. Whether I turn it all the way to warm, instantly it's cold. And maybe I just leave it cold. Every time before I dip in the lake, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the devil and the angel. Don't do it. You know, you got to do it. Okay. Yeah, man, the consistency just, it helps you get in there. It makes you stronger. You don't even know it. You don't even realize it. And you, I don't feel the tingly what's happening in my, in my cells at a cellular level. Well, we got some work with you. <laughs> there we can definitely dig into those on a different conversation about that for sure. But I, I love how you kind of put it there. And, and for me, it, it means getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so when the discomfort sets in from unknown sources and, and things that come into your life that you don't know are going to happen in your life, those instances where your boss taps you on the shoulder or your kids are screaming. And my daughter yesterday, my one-year-old, literally pulled a plant off of our countertop and shattered it in the middle of dinner. Literally, it shattered and there was soil and water and plant everywhere. In these uncomfortable moments, do I keep my cool? Am I able to control my thoughts, control my breath? Am I able to just get up and do what needs to be done in those instances? In those uncomfortable moments, remaining in control of your mind. It's amazing how much control we don't have, how we just run off of programs. Yeah. Right. So that's a great example. The kid pulls a plant off the table and you don't lose your mind. Maybe you do lose your mind, right? Maybe the next step is just being aware that you did lose your mind. And how can I not allow that to happen the next time or every time or whatever? And that's what I love about the cold. It's like very quickly with consistency, you can learn that like, oh, I can, I can just stand here. Oh, my body's reacting. My body has this visceral reaction to the cold. But if I just tell the body to calm down, I can be okay. A couple of deep breaths and, oh, I'm still cold. <laughs> I can feel the cold, but the body is just simply experiencing the cold, just as it experiences heat, just as it experiences anything. And it's the mind that starts going crazy. So to just <sighs> a couple of deep breaths and, oh, okay, I'm cool now. I'm calm. It reaches a point where you need to get up. But the more you practice, you realize really quickly, like, ah, I'm okay. It's interesting because I've helped, I've helped a few people 
go through this course. I would run it through the gym and say, hey, who's coming with me? And I would take small groups of people down the lake. Um, I would first share experiences going into the showers. And some people couldn't get past that 15 or 30 second mark. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't yet. Right? We either give up or we keep trying. Right? And the way that it teaches us to be calm and to observe uh, resistance and chaos in our life, I needed to start that journey 10 years ago so that I can be at a point with it so that I could get my family, myself, my business through COVID, even though I had to close it. Hopefully this is the end of this plague we're going through, but I had, I had to go through that to be able to face that resistance, to be able to face the crisis, the chaos, the unknowns, the lack of control. I knew what I could control. I knew I could tap into the breath that I could sit in the cold, mm-hmm. right. To help me get through the stresses of, of my business being closed. I had to go outside. I didn't need to wrap myself in a warm blanket and cozy up by a fire and, and open a book and read a book. I needed to put my body in an environment that I could control. So I had to get it more out of control in order to control it a little bit more. That's what the cold does. Through the practice of the cold, I just knew if I go outside and I sit down in that snow, it's going to take me two minutes and I'm going to be forced to Forced to breathe, that's it. Forced to breathe. You know this, the Vegas nerve guy, just forced to breathe and then it would calm everything down. I wouldn't go down to zero, but if I went from 100 to an 80, that would allow me to get back to gain some focus to do whatever needed to get done that day. You said something in there that I love. You, you said to observe the resistance and to observe the the emotionality and become aware of what's actually happening and and in order to truly observe it you need to become the observer you need to step out of that victimhood state where things are happening to you and watch what's actually happening because oftentimes we're just telling ourselves a story of what's happening right going out in the cold, man, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to have this issue. And that's a story that's been programmed into your head over how many years you've been alive by whatever forces were out there, parents, friends, family, whatever. Those those forces have come in and they've created these patterns of thought. And these patterns of thought, which are habitual, that are not truly our thoughts, they're just what what pops up when this trigger takes place. And so learning to step back and observe those thoughts going through your head and say, no, I believe I can do this. And putting your brain first, putting your consciousness first and saying, I'm going to observe what's happening rather than allow myself to become victim to the story. Why does no one teach us about consciousness? Nobody. Why? Great question. (laughs) Right? Like, why is that not the only the sole basis of our education system of our children? So our body doesn't experience itself. Our, the mind experiences the body and the mind doesn't experience itself. Consciousness is, experiences the mind. And then it's awareness that experiences consciousness. We experience the experience. Most of us, right? You talk about all these programs and all these thoughts. 
the events that happen in this three-dimensional space are real and they happen to us. But most of our thoughts are associated with a hypothesis that never comes into fruition. We're just thinking about random fake shit that never happens and we stress over it. It has physical uh, consequences in our body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we think about these things habitually time and time again. A lot of it's based on programming that's been passed down from us or that we've learned from our experience as children in the world, whether it comes from parents or relatives or whatever, friends, whoever, our community, whatever it might be. So it's really interesting that you, Brett, you bring that up because it's just being aware that you're having an experience. And part of that experience is the thoughts associated with the experience. We all think the most random things at times during the day. You'll be driving your car, be thinking about something, uh, an interaction you had with a friend, and you're thinking what they must be thinking about. And you start to have emotion about that. It starts to present physically in the body. Mm-hmm. None of it's ever come to the surface. None of it's ever come out. Maybe it's not even true. You're just creating this whole story all on your own. And that's what we're thinking. And then we wonder why we're so physically sick, because we have millions of negative thoughts that become associated with well, that energy be stored somewhere. So it gets stored in our body. <laughs> and then we have all these issues with our body. And as much as we think we're in control, we are not in control is really difficult. It's the most difficult to, I shouldn't say it's the most, but it's really difficult to change those patterns, to change those thoughts. So it starts super small, the smallest of things. Like some of the days of a hundred in love are like about a light switch. I think one of the days is, right? I love light switch. What's it from Anchorman? I love lamp. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. That is like one of the most powerful sentences ever. Right. And it's in humor. It's in this funny, funny movie. But if you can pass by a lamp and honestly in your mind say, yeah, I love that. Why? Well, it gives me light. Well, how, how can it give you light? Well, as humans, we discovered energy and we, you can go down the list of things and I've yet to find something that you can't associate love with, especially after reading Viktor Frankl. You can find love anywhere, anywhere in its existence. What is the perspective you're putting on it? And so awareness is a funny thing because you never stop becoming more aware. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us live not aware at all. We just do. We just do what we're programmed to do. We really have the power to change the program. And it's not easy. It's difficult. You frequently visit things time and time again because you're meant to, because it's saying, here's the same situation. That's what the universe says. Here's the same situation. Last time you got really mad at this, really angry. How are you going to react this time? And maybe you react the same, but your thoughts afterwards are different. That's a win because the thought is starting to change. The thought's going like, man, I was right. That guy's an an a-hole versus, "Hmm, why did I react that way again? I'm doing the work. So now you're going through these phases of consciousness, of awareness, of slowly, because it can't happen quickly, slowly creating positive thought pattern. And I believe that the cold is a catalyst, a massive catalyst to creating that positive thought pattern. I love that. The, the cold absolutely is a catalyst. And, and you had previously mentioned that in order to get through that cold exposure moment whether you're jumping into a frozen lake or just turning on the cold shower it forces you to come back to your breath it forces you to come back to that observer state and it forces you to become 
aware of the world in a slightly different perspective where you pull back and you do that observer piece of the puzzle. And, and the more you're able to pull back and do that observer perspective view for challenges that come up, the more you are able to use what's called self-awareness. And, and that's that first step, like you mentioned there, in those moments when, when the same instance occurs, but you react differently the second time, it's about self-reflection. It's about self-awareness and saying, okay, well, how did I react this time? Interesting that I did it that way. How can I change how I react the next time? How can I make it a little bit better, a little bit easier, or a little bit more level-headed the next time around? And I catch myself in that next scenario. And this is like in a practical sense, I think we can say in a fight with your your significant other, right? Like me and my wife have our, our tiffs all the time as every happily married couple does. And we all catch ourselves saying, well, you did this, but you did that that time. And then we go down this whole negative path. Rather than doing that, catching ourselves and saying, yeah, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I'm at fault for this. And, and it's almost like creating this self-awareness of, yeah, maybe I should have done it a slightly different way. Maybe a next time would do it this way and just hear where, where people are coming from. And, and I think understanding that people want compassion, it comes back to what you were saying with what your job as a firefighter is, is in, in reality, 95% of the calls that you guys are getting and the work that you're doing is helping people to feel safe and to feel cared for and, and feel loved. And that's so, so important. And that self-awareness piece, when we up-level our consciousness, the people that we then interact with, we can create that shift in them because they can say, well, oh, that's not how they reacted last time, or that's not what I expected from this person with this call. And it, it'll forces them to go into a state of self-reflection when the pattern changes, which I think is really quite cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. So. I want to touch on relationships because you brought that up. Yeah, let's do that. With, with your spouse. So what do we what do we say when we need people, right? We say, hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Cool. Are you or are you not? Most times we lie. Yeah. Right? We, you're not telling you how good we actually are. Like, I'm, I'm elated. I'm excited. I'm amazing. Blah, 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 blah. But if things aren't great, we hide it and we suppress it. Okay? So there's, there's the energy pattern going. So Ashley and I fight. We have our we have our tips, we have our arguments. Something that we've been practicing is checking in with each other and asking each other one simple question. Are you able to receive? I got some shit I gotta tell you. Can you receive it right now? And if the answer is no, then we wait. Yeah. And, right? Because I'm upset with you because of whatever scenario has happened, but I am not in your head. I've already made the story in my head, what must be in your head because it's in mine. And we're actually coming at it from two very different places. Even though we were in the same room, we experienced the same thing, but we thought about it differently. And we're, so, we're, so we're actually coming at it from two different points. And this is in every relationship. It isn't just a, a spousal relationship or someone who you're living with. It's in every single relationship. And it's funny as I'm talking about this, because we haven't started doing this with our kids, um, but we probably should. Um, but we do it with each other. So we're, we're developing the practice of asking each other, are you ready? And then every time there's this mirror, this mirror pops up and says, hey, hey, buddy, you think you're right? You think you're always right? I think it needed to be said. Maybe it didn't need to be said. But what actually happens is now we get 
the whole story. We get a unique perspective that isn't just an argument. Now it's a conversation where we're talking about both sides and it gives a whole new perspective to the relationship and to the conversation and to the thing that's happening so that we can come out of it and go to bed not angry at each other, which has been a goal and a practice of ours, our entire relationship. Yeah, no kidding. I remember when you told me this the first time on one of our dad pod calls when you brought this up and the idea of doing that is is so important and, and the actual practicality of it is that you're able to speak openly when the other person is able to receive that. Because if they're not, then you hold back and you don't put it down their throat when they're not capable of it. And a couple of things here. So number one, you mentioned something there, but Brené Brown in her uh, A Call to Courage on Netflix brought this up with, with her husband. She uses this, the story I'm telling myself is, right. this is, this is what I'm telling myself. Or is that the story you're telling yourself? Or is that what's really happening? And so right. asking yourself the question, the story I'm telling myself is this, and sharing that with the other individual that you're having this, this tiff with, whether it's significant other yeah. or whatnot. And understanding that this is you pre-stating, this is my perspective of what's happening. And I'm, I'm saying, this is what I'm seeing. That's not necessarily what is happening because your perspective is going to be different. And maybe there was something that happened before this that I didn't realize or that I didn't know that caused you to react or respond in said way. So right. I love that line that she used there. The story I'm telling myself is, and that's something me and my wife have definitely instituted in our conversations and, and ensuring that we don't get too deep down each other's throat without <laughs> experiencing that, that positive energy. The other thing that was really interesting, and this was a couple of years ago, my sister-in-law was bringing up this idea and she was talking about relationships and she said, yeah, aren't, aren't all relationships 50-50? And I said, no, they're absolutely not. And this is my perspective on this, but I don't feel like relationships are 50-50 because the assumption then is that I keep 50% and I give 50% in, in saying so. I told her relationships are 100-100. You have to give yourself entirely to that relationship or to whatever you're creating with that relationship. If you're not willing to give 100%, then imagine that day when that person just can't stand up and give their 100%, what you're then able to do, you're able to support that person in what they're unable to give, whether it's to you, to your kids, to, to other loved ones, to the situations at hand. If, if you're not able to stand up and say, I'm here 100% for you every day, and I hope that you reciprocate that 100% as well, then the relationships will not work. And that's, I find in a lot of relationships, we, we talk about, we get into these arguments and we get into these tips, but in reality, we're just trying to help each other be better. Just trying to stand up and be that 100% giver in those relationships. And oftentimes we catch ourselves and we say, listen, I'm not at 100% myself. I do this with my wife as well. I'm not at 100%. I can't give 100% right now. Can you help me right now? Mm. And that, that's been really, really beneficial in our relationship. So my sister-in-law brought that up and I definitely made her aware that it's not 50-50. So I love that. So I'm going to do something here. I'm going to create a synapsis. So that 100%, 100% mentality, Brene Brown, what we're talking about, like, are you in a place to receive? That all gets tied back to the cold. Mm -hmm. 
right? This is all connected together because in order to be able to say, are you in a place to receive, both to say it and to hear it, you have to be in a position of practicing vulnerability. You have to be used to being vulnerable. What does the cult teach us? To be vulnerable, right? And so we can learn that through the body. If we teach the body, the body follows the mind. And you need the mind in play in order to be in the cold, in order to become vulnerable. You need to learn how to, to open that heart to say, hey, I need help. To say, can you help me? Can we build trust together? Can we be in a relationship together? And so it isn't just the cold. It's not like everyone has to go and dive into the cold, right? The same shoe doesn't fit every person. I understand that. But that practice of doing that hard thing consistently, which really is just a feeling, ultimately, right? Just cold is a feeling, just like warm is a feeling. The mind gets in the way and says, oh my God, it's too cold. But it's teaching us vulnerability. And I didn't know this, right? I can say this now. I can put the pieces of the puzzle together now. But our, our health, this is a health podcast, right? Our health is not just losing weight. Yes. Our health is not just looking pretty. It is so much more, and it is con literally connected to every single thing that we do. I love this. Right? So you got past, you set goals, you learned the skills to accomplish those goals, and you set out in some capacity through your own capabilities to accomplish those goals. Maybe you hit your target. Maybe you were off your target. Maybe you hit a new PR that you didn't think you could do before. You had to create all of these things. And the mind went through a series of questions of doubt, of fear, or the body went through all kinds of hormonal release before, during, and after the exercise to accomplish the task. This is why I love CrossFit, mm -hmm. because it is a complete reflection of life and everything else that happens in life. Yeah. The conversation with the spouse, the bad relationship, uh, the divorce, because you're constantly arguing. Now listen to yourself, let alone listening to each other. And we all go through that at some phase. What practices do we have in place to become vulnerable, to listen to our hearts, to allow the heart to be open, to fully step into ourself and who we are? I love it. Teaching yourself to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable, right? So for some people, I agree with you completely. Cold is wonderful, but it's not for everybody. That's where workouts come in, right? Getting into the gym and lifting heavy things. It's not comfortable. Why, why should I go and lift 275 pounds off the ground? Well, to teach yourself to become comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Why should I sit in meditation for 20 minutes and watch as thoughts go by and just sit as the observer of my thoughts? Why should I do that? In agony as my body is aching. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like these are, these are the uncomfortable challenges that we need to stand up and accomplish to prove that we can do it and to be comfortable when those situations arise randomly or in the course of our life, which they're always going to be coming up within the course of our lives, teaching ourselves to be uncomfortable and, and looking at it from a perspective of love and compassion and experiencing it in a very positive way, just the same way you have. The, the story that you started with talking about the, the lady in the fire, like, these are traumatic incidences and to come out of them in a positive way, see them as, as a positive 
growth tool as something that you're watching as an observer and to observe it through that lens of love allows you to then step past it and rather than be a victim of that moment. I love it. I think it's it's one of the best things anybody can do for themselves is to to sit back and and become the observer, become comfortable being uncomfortable because when those situations then arise your resilience goes up and your ability to recover from those challenges goes up and you're not holding that negative energy in which then would create some sort of health challenge down the road potentially and in so many cases we know that these negative emotional and traumatic incidences play a major role in the production of and creation of negative health challenges that we then experience or that we see down the road Brandon, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you joining me and sharing your thoughts. And I know you're speaking on stages now. I know that you're, you're up there doing some amazing things, sharing love, sharing gratitude. Where can people learn more about your work and where can people uh, follow you? Brandon Evans on Facebook, uh, brandon.r.evans on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. That's where you can get all your videos, your 100 days of love, all that kind of stuff. BrandonEvans.ca is my website, dadpod.ca for all those dads who are out there looking to become a better father. We uh, we haven't talked about it a lot, but it's a small men's group where we help authors provide for their families through presence. I'm one of the very, very lucky members of this wonderful Mm -hmm. group. And we'll, we'll say that for any dads out there that are interested in learning more about it, you can definitely check out DadPod on Instagram, Power of Dad. You can also uh, get in touch with me personally, and I will happily extend the invitation and and share what we do, how we get together and and connect with one another and share these experiences of being dad and uh, support each other in that journey to help our kids and to help our families grow. Thank you so much again, Brandon. It's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. 